Triple Whale has just launched a simple finance platform called FinHub, and I'm already loving it. One simple dashboard for all the tools and accounts you're already using, so you can gain clarity with your consolidated data, your real-time cash flow, your accrual P&Ls. It's designed to help those brands that are built on Shopify to operate smarter. So go over to triplewhale.com and check it out. Welcome back, episode two with Ben Kennedy, CTO and co-founder of The Feed. Everything that you need as an endurance athlete, or if you just want to brag to your friends that you are and showcase all your nutrition and Theraguns that you've bought from them exceptionally fast on their headless commerce website. If you have uh, checked out thefeed.com, you might notice how fast it is. You might notice a few things, and we're going to get into some of the technical side of their build. If you missed episode one, go back an episode, get caught up. We talk about the decision to go headless, some of the impacts that the feed has seen. And in this episode, we're going to go over some of the technical questions both Ben and I have been getting on headless commerce. Ben, welcome back. Thanks so much for joining me for another episode. Great to be back. So uh, the first thing that everyone notices, and it's appropriate for the the podcast of the logo as a as an open wheel race car, but speed, and it's one of those things that you you know what it is, what website speed is, but then you start to think a little bit more about it, and well, what is it actually? How is it measured? So I would love to turn it over to you to just share with with myself and the audience a little bit of. A, what website speed is, and B, how it's measured. So I think website speed is just the perception to the customer of how fast your store is. And that sounds kind of vague because it is, but um, you can take it a little further and there are tools out there that will rank your speed and give you a score. And there's one in particular that's called Lighthouse. It's uh, open source maintained by Google and Given any page link, Lighthouse will go scan that page and will give you a performance score. And that's from zero being the slowest to 100 being the fastest. And then they'll break it down even further into a few different metrics. And some of those metrics are really important. And Google's actually changing their ranking algorithm. They had it planned, I believe, for June, but they've kicked it out till around August now. Mm -hmm. where starting in August, actually starting in June, ramping up, and then by September, your speed metrics will have an impact on your organic Google ranking. Um, So it's going to become extra important to go look at your speed score. Um, Some of the metrics, the the two most important ones to look at, I think, are first contentful paint Mm -hmm. and largest contentful paint. And first contentful paint just means how long did the visitor have to sit there looking at their blank screen in their browser until the first pixel was painted. So that's really the moment where the customer thinks, aha, this website's working, I'm seeing something. So that's first contentful paint. And then largest contentful paint is how many seconds in was it until the customer saw the largest area of the website paint? So you can think of it as when was the main content of the website available? And they break it down because it's not so linear. It's not like you you load a website and then it's loading, 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 and then done. Because a website can still be useful as it continues to load things below the fold, in the background. 
I remember in the 90s going to websites and planning out how many clicks I would need to get there most efficiently. And we'd always start on sort of a, a page with good text on the on the homepage so it would load up quicker while then waiting for a, a video or images to load up. Exactly. Yeah. And this Lighthouse Speed Score, it's important to note that this is really just a score of your first initial page load. So that's the first time a customer comes to the website. What Lighthouse does not measure is how fast are subsequent page views. And that's where a platform like Shogun Frontend or a headless build really, really shines, is that those subsequent page views, especially if they're prefetched, are are effectively instant. So you'll click a product on a row of products and you'll instantly see that product page. Which I think is so important for an e-commerce application because you are adding a product to the cart, hopefully viewing some more products and going to your cart and checking out. And there's enough waiting that you don't want people to get bored and forget why they were even coming to the website in the first place, especially if they're coming from an Instagram story or just a quick quick search or link click because they see one of their friends got posted their their haul from the feed with their Theragun and, and Cliff Bars <laughs> and said, hey, where yeah. did you get that? They say, oh, thefeed.com. If they click it and it takes too long to load, they're, they're already gone. They're done. They're, they might buy at a future date, but they're not buying this time around. Yeah, you don't want to give them a chance to a chance to leave because they're sitting there waiting for it to load. Um, and a, a good benchmark with when you're looking at your Lighthouse speed score is if you can get your largest contentful paint down to under one second, that's that's going to be really good. And I'm talking about desktop numbers here because Lighthouse breaks it down into desktop and mobile. Oh, wow. So a desktop um, speed score in the 90s is great. Our, we talked about this last episode, how we came from a Shopify theme to an identical headless theme mm-hmm. on Shogun Frontend, and we A-B tested them. And the page speed score on desktop for the homepage on our Shopify site was around 80. So it was already pretty fast. But then when we went to Shogun, it's now on desktop, the page speed score is around 99, um, 100 if you really keep trying and uh, get the get trick the page speed score into finally giving you 100. <laughs> um, but our largest contentful paint went from about 1.4 seconds down to 0.8 seconds. So that I think the largest contentful paint, and that's the metric that really tells you how long did it take for the main content of the page to load, that's a 43% decrease we saw. And that's huge because that's really the perceived load time of the page. And that's funny how something that's so simple that you know it when you see it can be so technical or complicated uh, once you kind of peek under the the cover in terms of page speed. I mean, I think everyone knows what a fast page speed is versus when it takes forever to load, but really getting into how do you measure it across all the different websites. So thank you so much for, for um, hitting on that. Yeah. So I know that we uh, are going to talk about a couple of other things, but uh, one thing that's a question that always comes up and I think I saw another post on it today is so if you go to the feed.com and add some products and go to checkout, it goes to the feed.com slash number and then checkouts. It's still very native. It's not going to um, a my Shopify link or a uh, generic Shopify URL, which is such a big deal for a lot of people. It's one of the things that I just see popping up all the time. What does it look like to maintain that branded URL experience the whole time? 
So that is really important, especially when you're dealing with checkout where there's you don't want to give anyone a reason to think that it's not trustworthy anymore. They've switched domains. There's mm -hmm. also issues that come into play with um, analytics tracking where you may break the session if you switch domains, just little details like that. So what you what you want to do is have the headless build running on, in our case, the feed.com. And then, like you said, when you get to checkout, you're still on the feed.com slash checkout. So we were actually lucky because we didn't have to do any of that because that comes bundled into the Shogun front end platform. So they do that for you. And what they're basically doing is reverse proxying the Shopify checkout. So it's going through, you know, through their server and then they're fetching and they may correct me if I'm wrong here, but this is how I understand it works. And then mm -hmm. they're passing that request on to Shopify and serving it up at the, you know, the feed.com primary domain. Which is, uh, there's a, a great quote that if you are, when they did that study where the violinist played on the New York subway, nobody knew that it was the greatest uh, violinist in the world. And maybe they made, I don't know. $2.75 in, in tips or whatever it is. And they didn't realize how complicated it was to get that, that sound with the acoustics. And there's something to be said about having something really complicated look really simple. And I think that a fast loading website that checks out on feed.com is one of those things that just looks pretty simple, but you don't know what it is until you try to do it yourself. Yeah, exactly. And you don't want to you don't want to take a step backwards on everything. The whole point here is to make your store faster and better. So you're trying not to make compromises such as having your checkout on a different domain or a subdomain. You you really want that experience to be the same. And then the last I think that we are going to talk about, well, really there's there's two, but what impact does third-party apps have on that? Because it's so easy to just bloat up your site with third-party apps where, and some of them do take it to a, a different site that just looks the same. But what was the, or what is the impact of, of third-party apps on as you go to a headless build? It's something important to think about. And on our store, we're we're not a simple store. We have all the complexities of, you know, uh, reviews, filtering, different product taxonomies, back orders, back in stock notifications, lots of variants, dynamic sidecar. There's, uh, we have a, you know, recharge subscription. So all mm -hmm. these integrations, a lot of third-party apps. When you go headless, it does mean that if you were used to before just going on the Shopify store, finding an app, clicking install and being done, unless it's an app that only interacts with your backend, so if it's providing you know um, profitability on your orders or something, that'll still work fine since the backend's all on Shopify. But if it requires interaction with your front end, that's going to change. And what you're going to have to do is integrate that app manually. And I don't think that's a bad thing. I actually prefer it because if you've spent all the time optimizing your site, even if you're on Shopify, but especially if you've gone headless, you don't want someone to just install an app and have it slow down your entire website. You want to very carefully vet each app, understand what it's loading on your front end and see if there's any way you can optimize that loading and do it better. So what you're basically doing is just manually integrating the front-end components of all these apps. And we have not run into an issue where we could not make an app work. What we have been able to do, though, is 
um, optimize the loading of apps. So for example, we have a reviews app. That mm-hmm. script to load the reviews when you go to a product page is not even loaded until you start scrolling down the page. So that was a, a choice we made when we went headless to say, we don't want the extra weight of this particular app, but if the customer's scrolling down and expects to see reviews, then we should go fetch it. Um, and that's that's a really common theme, just switching back to speed here for a second with building on headless is there's a lot of decisions that you have to to think about as far as what components do you load right away? What components do you render right away? And then what components do you defer loading and rendering on? So for example, on on our website, if you click the shipping bar and you want to learn more about shipping information, that's an action that the majority of customers landing on that page are not going to do. So we don't want the extra weight of the template code for that pop-up, the styling for that pop-up, the rendering, the browser rendering of that pop-up. We want the pop-up to basically not exist in the browser's uh, in the browser's mind until the customer clicks that little info thing to open it. So we've deferred everything. They click that and then they see a brief loader or maybe not at all. And then that pop-up's there. Um, another example is these mega menus. Mm-hmm. That is a more common path. So someone comes to the website, they hover a menu, they get a big drop-down mega menu. So we do load all of that, but we don't render it. So the browser hasn't spent any time inserting it into the DOM yet until you hover that and then it's rendered in. So these are all, you know, tiny little, little details and different stages of, uh, of how you can how you treat different elements on the page and how you insert them into the browser. Um, and you should take that same care with integrating integrating third party apps. And I, um, I'm just looking around. I'm poking around on the website as you you do it, and I'm looking at the the mega menu and just you would know how many brands that you have, but it's a lot. I'm just looking now and I see 50 plus brands drop down and that's just one menu. You go over to nutrition and supplements and just how everything is set up from uh, Noon and Theragun and Cliff, brands that, that are really well known to some of the fun brands like These Nuts, um, the Chamosis cream for, for cycling, where it's getting very specific to uh, sport, but also almost uh, the problem that that product is solving and it needs to be fast to load, but also easy to find and, and navigate and structured. Yeah, exactly. So that example where you're hovering the brand's mega menu and you see a list of, I think, six columns, uh, maybe over 100 different vendors. We don't want to load all of those you know, HTML elements in the browser um, DOM when the page renders. So we're not doing that. We're waiting until you actually hover the brand's mega menu so you're indicating you want to see it, and then we're going and sticking it all in there. And that's just one of the things where you're, you're really optimizing for those milliseconds of performance. So the last technical piece that I think we're going to touch on is that the resources that you need in-house to be able to do everything that we we just said. And you, you're you fortunate that you have the technical capabilities in-house and that you, you can do that. Before someone goes headless, what are the what should, what are the considerations to have from a talent perspective? Either the skill set in house they need to have, or to work with their agency to maybe some of the questions they should ask so that they're finding out that they're not the guinea pig and that they've done it before. Um, I think the way to look at development of headless stores is really 
it's a little bit less web development and it's a little bit more software development. And these are actually, you know, single page web apps running in the browser. So like the performance considerations we just went over, that's not normally something that as a web developer, you need to think about. That's something more as an app developer where you're constrained on hardware, where you really need to optimize for performance. That's something you usually think about at that level. So I think the, the mindset going into this is really just a little bit more software development, a little less um, web development. Um, as far as internal capabilities, I think if you have a developer on staff, I don't see any reason to think that they couldn't learn because there's a lot of templates out there. At the end of the day, it's, it's in React. So it's just React components, which is built on JavaScript. Um, so it's, it's very learnable. It's not that complicated. Um, I know Shogun Frontend, if you choose to go that route, they're working on a starter kit. So you'd have a lot of the functionality kind of ready to go. So you could copy paste that. And that's kind of the best way to learn is just go from there. Um, I'd say if you're looking at doing an agency build, um, some, yeah, just kind of the same considerations just to understand, of course, if they have done this before, if they have any example stores you can look at, um, just make sure that they're following those best practices. Some of them we went over and just, you know, you, you definitely want to be reassured that they have the capability to do this kind of single page web app software development. Mm. And I think that that's a, uh, a great point to wrap it up before we transition out of the technical questions into just some of the more common questions we've both been getting in episode three. Awesome. Awesome. Thanks so much, Ben. Make sure you're subscribed. You know who I'm going to ask you to share this episode with your mother-in-law, leave a review on Apple. And if you need a little pick-me-up, you can get some hydration and caffeinated energy tablets from noon over at thefeed.com. Steel switched to OmniSend and immediately saw a lift in revenue. They started automating their welcome series, card abandonment series, and their post-purchase messaging. Just like Baking Steel is the perfect upgrade for your kitchen, OmniSend is the perfect upgrade for your Shopify store's marketing automation. 70,000 customers from home and kitchen brands to consumables and everything in between trust OmniSend. If you're not using a marketing automation platform that connects directly with Shopify, what are you waiting for? Don't leave revenue on the table this BFCM. Triple Well is doing some amazing things nowadays. They're developing just a huge range of tools to help your brand stay informed and scale. And Whale Mail is where you can get all these details. So head over to triplewell.com and sign up today.